Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here and checking us out. My name is Mark Rayshap, and this is Another Bottle Down, where we uh, talk about wine and the wine industry, wine appreciation. Uh, the podcast comes out of the radio show. It's a radio show that broadcasts every Tuesday on 91.7 FM in Austin, Texas, uh, the great capital city. On today's show, we are going to be continuing our coverage of Texas Wine Month, uh, October being Texas Wine Month. So we're interviewing winemakers and uh, various people in the Texas wine industry. Today we have Jennifer McGinnis, who is general manager of Bending Branch Winery in Comfort, Texas. And they're doing some pretty interesting things, some winemaking techniques that you don't see all the time. uh, And they work with grape varieties that are interesting in the Texas landscape, Tanat and Sagrantino and and a lot of other ones. So I'm sure that you're going to really enjoy the the discussion, whether you're a Texas wine lover or not. Uh, A couple quick plugs before we get into the interview. I am giving a a class on 10-year-old Bordeaux. So we're going to be looking at uh, Bordeaux wines from the 2007 vintage, and it will be on November 8th at the Wine and Food Foundation offices. Uh, 2007 was a tricky vintage, and, and, and a lot of collectors kind of passed on those wines, but they're they're tasting really, really quite good right now. There's a little bit more elegance to them, and uh, so we'll be looking at eight wines from uh, both the right bank and the left bank uh, of the 07 vintage. And um, so check that out winefoodfoundation.org for for tickets for that. And then the following night, November 9th, we are going to be doing at the foundation, um, although it's going to be at the uh, Chocolaterie Tessa's pop-up location in the domain of Austin, and uh, uh, we're going to be doing a chocolate and wine pairing. So it'll be a little bit of a mingling uh, vibe to it. And then, you know, Tessa and I will be talking about the pairings and the chocolates and the wines. It'll be great fun. Again, winefoodfoundation.org for tickets to that as well. Okay, let's get into our interview with Jennifer McInnes from Bending Branch Winery. Place us, if folks don't know where Comfort Texas is, uh, place us where, where, where we actually are. Sure. Well, Comfort Texas is um, it's off of I-10 between Bernie and Kerrville, just west of San Antonio, but most people know it as about 20 minutes south of Fredericksburg. Okay. So, and then the drive from Austin would be? It's roughly two hours okay. from Austin. Wonderful. Well, you guys are doing very special things out there. Um, tell us. Let's let's start with the uh, what you have planted out there. You have an actual vineyard, right? Because I think a lot of listeners of this show uh, know that that the industry is somewhat divided. Sometimes you have wineries that don't have vineyards and they contract grapes, and sometimes you have just vineyards that don't make wine and everything in between, right? What 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 do you do? We do a little bit of both, Mark. Uh, So in 2009, when the winery was established, um, our owner, Dr. Bob Young, uh, planted a vineyard there. Uh, At that time, it was difficult to source grapes in Texas. We didn't have the bounty that we have now. Uh, And so there, uh, at one time, was about 20 acres planted on the property. We're in the process of pulling that out and replanting. Um, And now we work with about 10 vineyards all over the state that we contract with. We've got three or four in the whole country and the rest up in the Texas High Plains where we source fruit. 
Yeah, so you've got, um, and and talk about this, so you're replanting that vineyard, did you feel like things were, you, you know, your own home vineyard, things were maybe more suited, or different grape varieties, etc., and this, this might turn into a little bit of a longer conversation. Right. <laughs> um, well, certainly in the beginning, it was experimental, and the, there were about uh, 20 or so varieties planted out there. And, and there weren't other vineyards around nearby? Um, there's a small, Singing Water is about two and a half miles from, from our winery. and um, But in 2009? In 2009, they were there, there were, yes, okay. yes, right, yes, great. they were there. Um, and so, yes, it was experimental in terms of uh, casting the net fairly wide in terms of what was planted out there. Um, as you know, there's some disease, disease pressure in the in the hill country. There's right. some moisture, and, and so um, there's some Pierce's disease, and so we've had to pull out pull out most of the vineyard. Right, and so and for folks who who don't know what Pierce's disease is, is it it uh, affects a lot of this kind of hill country um, and to the coast. And there's a, a little bug that, that um, spreads this bacterial disease, and it can decimate an entire vineyard. And that happened to, to Bending Branch. To Bending Branch and many other many yeah. other vineyards out in the Hill Country. So, so what is the thought now to, to kind of battle some of those? Or you're working with uh, grape varieties that might be, um, you know, a little bit more resilient to molds and, and, and disease and, and whatnot. Is, is that kind of that concept? Um, certainly, we're we're looking at some of those, yeah. but um, really, what we're we're planning to replant there are two signature varieties, which are Pique Poublanc and Tanat. Yeah, tell us about um, about both of those, and and we're gonna you know we're gonna spread this conversation across the state as well because you do get from other regions. But um, I think that your Tanat is one of the one of the real uh, grape varieties that is and and wines that is doing particularly well here. I had it recently and it was just delicious, powerful, balanced. Um, let's start off with that conversation because I think that uh, Bending Branch is really known for Tanat. Tell us about the grape. Certainly, we're known for Tanat. That's our signature grape. Uh, we've been a pioneer of that grape in Texas and now you, you see it all over the place. It, at, at our count, it's planted at probably more than a dozen vineyards all over the state now. Uh, it's really well suited to our climate. It has very thick skin, so it can stand up to our heat. The grape is known to have additional seeds, and so uh, that is what lends it to have more tannins. And that is one of the things that Dr. Young felt was lacking here in Texas, or was certainly a challenge here to get the tannin structure out of the grapes because it's so hot here and the, the growing season can be shorter. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, just for folks who don't realize that, I mean, we're harvesting a lot earlier than, uh, than places in California, et cetera. So, uh, so, so what does that do to, you know, what does that do to the wine and, and, and the tannin, as you're saying, just to elaborate a little bit. Yeah. Our growing season, uh, bud break is, is typically early April and, um, harvest starts it's usually July through October although this year we received our first grapes on June 24th which is very early um and actually we're getting our last hopefully our last set of grapes on uh Thursday of this week and we'll talk about this year in particular later in the show Yeah. yeah But, um, you know, we do have some challenges um, with late spring freezes and, and, and then it does get very hot here. So that condenses our growing season and, and sometimes the grapes don't get to the maturity that we would like them 
Yeah, so so the tannins can be um, almost too too soft or too, too soft. elegant, and, uh, and and that's why Tanat does really well at being more tannic to begin with. Right, it gives it it lends itself to more structure, which. Um, or it can be difficult to achieve sometimes. Right. And so the, the Tanat that you're getting now, where where is that coming from uh, around the state? Or and, and you kind of have your pulse on the growers that are doing Tanat, right? Uh, so, so you kind of can pick and choose there? We uh, get Tanat from several several vineyards. And uh, in some cases, we have purchased the vines and, and they're planted for us in different vineyards. And so we get, um, there's a vineyard in Mason that we get some to not from and then the rest is from the high plains brownfield and plains texas yeah and you see little and then those those wind up being blended in to create kind of your one bottling of tanat or do you do some single bottlings as well right now we're known mostly for our texas tanat which is uh, the flagship label that's what everybody's probably most familiar with is what you see out in stores um but uh we now get tanat from several different vineyards and the quality is just amazing and um, very different. You know, what we get from Mason County has a little more perfumey floral notes to it, whereas the High Plains has more of a rustic grittiness to it. And so um, we do have plans to do some vineyard designation to knots. And then of course, when um, our estate was producing, we have our estate to not. Right. Um, and, and that'll be bottled separately. It has been yeah, in the past. It has yes. been in the past. Um, well, let's let's uh, start talking about the the other flagship that you have, uh, and we'll we'll kind of come back to Tanat as the the conversation progresses. But Pickpool Blanc, tell yes. us. I, I I bet that many listeners out there have no idea what Pickpool Blanc is. Correct. Well, <laughs> it's a it's a French grape. Uh, it's known for its piercing acidity. It uh, Pickpool Blanc translates to lip stinger. So it is known for having this racing acidity. And um, that is what drew um, Bob to that grape. And yeah. it performs really well here in Texas. So was he was there an idea to do that from the beginning? Or uh, is that kind of one of the so that was probably one of the, the, the many grapes of, that kind of got distilled down to okay, this is going to really work in our climate? Yes, that was certainly one of the first that was planted on the property and um, we continue to make. Right. Does, does, so, do you, so you get that um, lip-stinging uh, quality in, in, in your, the Texas bottlings as well, which that's always an interesting thing where with a really warm climate, acidity and the freshness of the wine can kind of go away. So you start with a grape that has more acidity to begin with. Is that Absolutely. The, yeah. And, and so you know, to describe that, it's all about that. How, would, would you relate it to any other grape variety? Say maybe Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand if, po- if folks uh, need a reference point? Yeah, I would say a Sauvignon Blanc, uh, maybe on the creamier side of Sauvignon Blanc, a little bit um, somewhere between the acidity, certainly, of Sauvignon Blanc, but the creaminess maybe of a Chard or Simeon even. Ah, okay. Well, wonderful. So a little bit more texture um, and 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 that freshness to, to go really well in the heat and, and with a lot of food, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, okay, 09, uh, uh, Dr. Bob Young established the vineyard. Can you tell us a little bit about the evolution, too? Because, um, you know, there's a lot of change going on, and there's some connection with other regions as well. But tell, tell us what, what, um, what that evolution was. Sure. Yeah. Well, in 2009, um, 
Well, let me back up. <laughs> so Dr. Young relocated um, to Texas. He's actually originally from Kentucky and um, came to Texas because his daughter was here and had grandchildren and started driving around and seeing that there were wineries. And he, he was a wine aficionado. And um, he went through the University of uh, Davis in California's winemaking program and got his certificate of winemaking there. And in 2008, eight or nine, um, hired an, a consultant out of California, Greg Stokes at Ursa Vineyards. Um, and he was connected with Greg, uh, because Greg and his wife, Deb are both winemakers and they are the, they bottled the first Tanat in California. And that was a grape that, uh, Dr. Young was wanting to grow here in Texas. And so that's how that connection was made. The first couple of vintages of Tanat were made in California at Ursa, um, and when, and we planted here in Texas. And so, you know, it takes three to four years right, for you right. harvest. And, um, and so that relationship grew uh, over time. About three years ago, we purchased Ursa and uh, continue to make some wines out there. And Greg is part of our winemaking team here in Texas. Um, from Well, that's a great, uh, I mean, that's a great uh, connection there that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you think of maybe these international wineries owning wineries all over, but but Texas, uh, a Texas winery owns some California, you know, a California uh, producer. Which is really cool. I think it's cool. And so, but but all of the California wines, we should say, are made from California grapes there in California. And you guys are uh, dedicated to, to Texas grapes. Correct. Yeah. Um, and the California wines, uh, they come back here to be aged and bottled and are labeled California. Um, so from there, it grew into, you know, um, pioneering other grapes. Uh, we planted the first acre of Suchow here in Texas and made an estate Suchow in 2014. Um, uh, Pique Poblanc, we mentioned also Charbono, um, Sagrantino we've planted. I know there's a couple of other wineries that are working with Sagrantino. We're very excited about the possibilities of that grape here. Um, and then, um, we're also really known for our innovative, um, fermentation techniques, uh, cryomaceration and thermoflash or what's known as flash detente. Yeah, let's let's delve into that. Maybe let's take us back to um, you know, what what a normal fermentation might be so that we can then talk about how it diverges. Sure. So regular fermentation at Bending Branch is uh, typically it's whole berry, what's known as carbonic maceration. Uh, we uh, the grapes come in, we destem them, they go back into the half ten picking bins where they um, are fermented for you know anywhere for up to two weeks, um, hand punch downs twice a day. It's very old world style winemaking to coax out again that flavor and color uh, extraction, which is what we're always searching for. Uh, and then, so, so that's our typical regular fermentation. Right. And so, so the, the grapes kind of don't really, as far as temperatures go, they go from kind of picking temperature, room temperature or uh, cooler to up to, you know, uh, fermentation produces heat. And so they go up to, you know, your, your 90 degrees or so. Okay. Uh, so cryomaceration and, uh, um, or not, not cryomaceration. Cryomaceration. It is cryomaceration. Cryomaceration okay. was the first, uh, technique that, uh, Dr. Young was experimenting with. Uh, he found a research paper that was actually written in French and had it translated. Um, and this 
this theory was uh, just an experiment with five-gallon buckets of grapes that uh, they took and they froze first. Um, Certainly when we did it, we did it on a much bigger scale um, with uh, several tons. But um, so we send the grapes to an industrial freezer. And um, as you know, when you freeze anything, it expands. And so that expansion process breaks down some of the cellular structure in the grape. So then we pull them out of the freezer, we allow them to thaw out, which could take up to two weeks, depending on what time of year we, we do that. Sometimes it's in January. And we're the only winery in Texas fermenting in January. Wow. Um, And so then we would do our fermentation uh, as we normally would. We would pitch the yeast and the nutrients and start fermentation and then press. And so when you do cryomaceration, uh, you get about 25% more of the color compounds and about 50% more of the tannins out of the skins. So are you you doing this process for reds only or both reds and whites or? Reds only. Reds only. only. not, not all reds. Um, the first wine that was made uh, using the cryo process was the 2011 Estate Tanat, and that won the top Texas wine at the 2014 Houston Rodeo competition. So you could see the difference in color and, and flavor uh, right off the bat. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, very, very, very cool stuff. Uh, if you're just tuning in, my name is Mark Rayshap. This is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio, and we're speaking here live in the studio with Jennifer McInnes from uh, Bending Branch Winery. She's general manager and uh, and does spreads the good word and tells the story of these grapes that Bending Branch pioneered in Texas and continues to uh, push the bar with these cool winemaking techniques. Um, okay, so so cryomaceration, so so that worked for Tanat. What other grapes? Uh, you know, does does uh, do you have a formula as to what you use it for, or most grapes, or? Um, how, how, do, how do you decide what goes through this cryomaceration That's process? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, usually there's a, a general plan at the beginning of harvest of what's going to, to be cryo uh, and what's not. Um, but then there are other times where, you know, we get more grapes than we can handle at any given time. And so we send some to the freezer. It's a workflow management. Um, but another grape that we have, we tend to use cryo with is our Cabernet Sauvignon, which is from the Texas High Plains. Uh, and again, that wine won a double gold at the San Francisco International Competition. And that's the first and only Texas cab to have that yes, distinction. Yes, I've, I've really enjoyed that that cab. Uh, oftentimes, folks say that Texas Cabernet might be a little bit lighter in color, a little bit more red fruit oriented where folks who are used to Napa cab thinking really big dark berry fruit uh, black cherry and cassis and all of those flavors Um, and so I could see that that lending really well to this process what is so you mentioned another another technique right flash detente correct Um, tell us what that is flash detente was developed in France Uh, it's a Thermoflash, biothermo heating and cooling process, essentially. Um, so the grapes go into this um, machine that is about the size of a shipping container. We have the only unit here in Texas. There's only about a dozen of them in the country. 
And um, so the grapes go in and it heats them uh, to about 185 degrees. The, the solids and juice are separated. The juice gets heated. Um, once it reaches that temperature, they come back together um, and they hit a vacuum chamber, which is what cools it, uh, flash cools it in a matter of seconds from 185 to about 85 degrees. And uh, when that process happens, you know, that heating has again um, degraded the cellular structure. And so uh, the berry just bursts and you get 100% extraction of color and flavor and tannin. Um, you are vacuuming out the water, most of the water content of the grape. And so it's intensifying the color and the flavor essentially. Um, and it, the bricks, which is the sugar content of the grapes, uh, can go up uh, on average about two bricks. Uh, so, so you were really concentrating the sugars, the, the, the color, the flavors, all of that stuff. Uh, Jennifer, we have to take a short break, and we will be right back. We'll delve a little bit deeper into this, uh, into this process of flash detente and continue talking about what Bending Branch has going on and all of the wines that you're making and cool events that you have going on. So stay tuned. You're listening to Co-op Radio. This is 91.7 FM and koop.org. All right, we're back. This is another bottle down. My name is Mark Grayshep, uh, and it's Co-op Radio, 91.7 FM and koop.org. We're talking here with Jennifer McInnes, uh, who is general manager of Bending Branch. And, uh, and so, Jennifer, we, we, we took that break there uh, when we were uh, kind of in the middle of our conversation of this flash detente where you heat up the grapes and, uh, and, and that allows them to burst and you have a, a greater extraction of color and flavor. Um, anything else to add to that, that conversation? Do you, do you do that with um, all grapes that come in or that's selective as well as the, the cryomaceration? And, um, and, and what, is the, what is the concept there to go with one or the other? Uh, well, we use flash only on red grapes. There's really no point in doing it with white grapes because uh, you're you're trying to extract the color from from the and that all comes from the skins for red wines. Um, and we we don't use it on everything. Although I will say, in 2016, um, it was a really really useful tool to have at our disposal. Um, 2016, there were a lot of late. Uh, there were rains, a lot of rains in the later in the harvest season, and so um, that produces um, opportunity for bacteria and mold and um, you know issues in the wine quality. And so we um, we did run quite a few of our red grapes through the flash machine in 2016, and it is essential. It removes the pyrazines from the. Um, from the grapes, which is the the bell pepper flavors, the vegetal notes that we're able to take that out when yeah. we run through the flash. So an interesting uh, interesting tool for for many purposes too. I wonder if it also is a, is somewhat of a stabilizing where you don't have to add sulfites in uh, in off of the harvest. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't I don't know that for for a fact. <laughs> um, and I will I add. 
we also uh, do some custom crush work. And so we contract the flash machine. There, there are several other wineries in the state that have come to us, and especially in 2016, came to us to run some grapes through the flash. Right. So it, it's a it's kind of a crazy piece of machinery, right? Yeah. Uh, and and are, do you have the only one in Texas? The and, only one in Texas. And that's why folks are coming in to, to kind of run their grapes through there and, uh, and then go on with fermentations. Correct. Cool. Very cool. Um, well, let's delve in. We've mentioned some grape varieties, and uh, but but there's a lot that we've missed. So I, w- I want to have a little bit of a conversation on some of your other grape varieties you make because I think that there's a lot to be said in the Texas climate and and what Texas is really doing well. Um, can we start with uh, with with Rusan? Uh, Rusan is a white grape that. I am very excited about in Texas, and I know a lot of people are. So tell us what goes on at Bending Branch with Rusan. There's a lot of reason to be excited about Rusan in in Texas. Uh, it um, grows really well here as well, and um, we get in our tasting room. A lot of people will come in and say, "I want your Chardonnay," and as we all know, Chardonnay <laughs> is a fickle grape, and um, it's difficult to grow in Texas. Certainly, there are some site-specific areas that you can grow Chardonnay, uh, but Rusan is a great um, segue grape. I call it. I tell people that their their palate is leveling up when they move from Chardonnay to Rusan. It's got um, some really beautiful green apple notes to it. Um, uh, our process has been about 50% f- uh, fermented in, in oak, new American oak, and 50% in stainless steel. Although our 2016, we did 100% uh, new American oak. And so it gives it that rich, creamy um, texture. It's a great holiday wine. It's perfect for this time of year. It goes great with Thanksgiving. And so if you're looking for a Texas white, I, su- I suggest that you try a Texas Roussan because right. it's up and comer in Texas. Right, absolutely. And it, um, it, it just has that that great texture and it maintains its acidity and freshness uh, in the hot Texas climate as well. Um, very, very cool. Very cool. And uh, and do those do you make the whites more in that traditional me- uh, traditional kind of winemaking? Uh, no, no cryo maceration on the whites. Yeah, yeah, just traditional. Press them and uh, in a tank to ferment. Yes, they either go into stainless or we've done some barrel fermentation. Yeah, very cool. Um, another one that, that I see on your website, and we should mention uh, for folks who want to follow along at uh, to see the Bending Branch, the entire portfolio, it's bendingbranchwinery.com. Uh, and of course, you can get um, all of the co-op information at koop.org, of course. Everybody knows that website very well. Um, what so Vermentino caught my eye on your website, and that is a grape that's traditionally grown in the Mediterranean and uh, island of Sardinia, and also in Tuscany and Liguria. What um, what's the history on that? Again, um, the search for acidity and the quest for acidity in Texas. And uh, Vermentino, Vermentino has uh, got a very high uh, acid content to it. And so um, we do our Vermentino is stainless steel fermentation, and it's um, crisp, light, refreshing, great palate cleansing wine. Right, very cool. And um, and then, so we mentioned the pick pool already, and uh, you made you made reference to um, Semillon. Uh, is, is that something that is is happening 
happening in uh, Texas, or it's one that I don't see all that much, and uh, I'll introduce it as being one of the uh, one of the Bordeaux white grape varieties. Correct. Uh, so far, we've made Simeon in California. Uh, there is a little bit of Simeon planted here in Texas. Okay. So. But but mostly, um, and that's an, an early ripening grape, I believe, so it, it might uh, have a little trouble here. Challenge here. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, does that round out our, our whites that you that you do, or is there a whole lot more? Uh, we also make a Viognier. I think, you know, Viognier is a, you see a lot of Viognier in Texas. Right. And Viognier is um, a great uh, grape to blend with, with Roussan, and you also see Marsan here in Texas. Um, and we have blended it um, from our estate. We had an estate cuvee that was vermentine. Tino Roussan and Peak Pool, and it was just amazing. Oh, cool. I, yeah, I bet the, the Roussan would give the body and texture, the Viognier would give the floral aromatics, and the Peak Pool would give the acidity and the freshness. That's cool. Wow. And and would you do that with uh, with kind of your your uh, richer white meats and, and, and as far as food pairings? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cheeses. Cool. Yeah, creamy cheeses. Um, the reds... If we delve a little bit deeper into that, so we've talked to Knot. Um, you you did mention that Portuguese variety, Suchão, um, and that's one that you really don't see around all that much. Tell us a, a little bit in deeper uh, detail about that. That grape is very exciting. Um, number one, it's late bud breaking. And so um, it usually breaks after the threat of spring freezes. Um, the Bending Branch planted the first acre of it in Texas, and um, Bob tells the story that they thought it was dead because everything else had bud break, you know, had broken out, and and the Souchal was just a late bloomer. And um, but it turned out to be a fantastic wine. Um, we bottled our estate in 2014, unfiltered, unfined. Um, it's just really rich, um, lots of texture dark berry notes, um, that Suchal, that grape, is traditionally used to make port in Portugal. Uh, we make it into a dry red wine, and um, so certainly it has those dried fruit characteristics that you can taste thinking, you know, you could see where it could be a port, but it makes a really beautiful red wine. Well, again, the theme is that it's got more, you know, color and, and tannin and structure, which lends itself really good to port, uh, but but then here it in this very warm climate could do wonders for dry red wines, right? It's, uh, actually, it's a Tinturier grape, and so that means it has a red skin and a red pulp. And so when those grapes come off the vine, if you skin them, they look like a blueberry or a blackberry. It's just that dark and inky, and your hands are stained, and it's just luscious and gorgeous. That is a great trivia question uh, to, to throw out at your next party is what, what are the grapes that are Tinturier, which are, have the, the, the red pulp in addition to red skins, right? Okay. Um, I actually didn't know that uh, Souchal was a Tinturier, so I'm learning something new every week. <laughs> um, and, and we should say that that accompanies uh, Torriga Nacional and some other grape varieties that are in that port family that are doing really well here in Texas, right? Correct. Yeah. What else on the red side? Well, we're known mostly for our reds. We, we have a, a vast array of reds. Uh, we make a Mavedra. Uh, as a red wine, you see that grape a lot of times made into uh, a rosé or blended. Um, when 
but we we make it into a dry red, and it's drinking really beautifully right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. What vintage are you on? And that do you do you age it for a long time? Where red can be very rustic and and, and very rich Correct. as well, right? Yeah, all of our reds we try to age for about twenty four months, two years, uh, because we are working with grape varieties that do have a lot of tannin, can be more aggressive. Uh, they really do need that extra time in the barrel to kind of come together and 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 calm down and yeah. um so yeah two years okay. so the current vintage that we're on right now is 2014 2014 excellent and um do you do a tempranillo as well well of course everybody <laughs> in texas does a tempranillo uh yes our tempranillo um is also current vintage is 2014 it was uh grown up in the texas high plains uh in plains texas and uh aged two years uh the current vintage is about i think it's two-thirds cryo maceration and one-third regular fermentation and so we kind of split the vintage um did the two different fermentation techniques blended those together before bottling yeah very cool and that do you do you see that 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 wine the tempranillo will age very well too i mean we think of wines from rioja and and the traditional tempranillo regions having extended aging do you do you see that in the winery too at the tasting room do you ever take out some older vintages etc yes actually we did um, a tempranillo vertical we did a tanat vertical last year and um, going back to our, our first vintage which you know 2000 they're, they're, they're different, but as far back as 2009. Right. Um, and they're holding up really, really well. So, you know, certainly we're a young growing region in Texas. And I think that um, we there's some ageability um, that, you know, we, we don't know yet how, how long Texas wines can age because we're, we're still pretty new at this. Right, right. Well, um, th- it's one uh, thirty-five in Austin, Texas. We need to take a short break. We're, we're um, almost behind on our announcements, but we will uh, hear from uh, a wonderful announcement of, uh, on Co-op Radio. And we'll be right back with Jennifer McGinnis, General Manager of Bending Branch Winery. This is Co-op Radio. My name is Mark Rayshup, and this is Another Bottle Down, where we talk about wine and the wine industry. October is Texas Wine Month, so we're featuring Texas wineries that are doing uh, really interesting things that have a unique take on growing grapes in Texas, making wine in Texas, and I hope you're enjoying the coverage. And we will continue next week as well. So uh, Jennifer McInnes, um, general manager of Bending Branch. So um, that kind of uh, we were discussing the the whites and the reds. That kind of uh, rounds out our discussion. Um, I'd like to just hear where you're coming from. And you were almost in uh, in the media of the wine media in San Antonio, right? And Correct. then you made this delve into uh, into managing a winery. Correct. <laughs> uh, yes. Tell us about that. Tell us about that. Well, uh, yes, I, I have a journalism degree and um, it's been about a, a decade, 12 years in, um, in newspapers um, in Dallas at the Dallas Morning News and the San Antonio Express News where I became the wine writer there, the drinks writer, and um, covered the Texas wine industry for about seven years um, the challenges of growing grapes in Texas. Uh, the the year that the in 2010, when all of the st- the funding was cut uh, for marketing the Texas wine industry, um, when there was a state budget shortfall, and and really it just started to kind of take over my life. And um, 
At that time, were you a skeptic? Were you a full proponent, or where did you stand on the industry uh, at, at at that time? Were you were you all for it? Did you have you know? It's a tricky position that a journalist uh, could be in uh, in terms of tasting a lot of wines, tasting you know maybe the mediocre along with the good, right? <laughs> Certainly, well, I've been going out to the Texas wine trail since uh, the the nineties since um, since. We'll say when I was legal to drink, maybe a little <laughs> bit before, but um, I've really watched it evolve. It's something that I was always interested in um, and um, enjoyed seeing it grow. Um, and then I just kind of fell into writing about it um, because I because I enjoyed it. And um, so I became eventually became the food and drink editor at the Express News. And um, I really miss being the drinks writer. I really miss being out in the industry in vineyards and talking to people and hearing about their successes and their challenges and um, really wanted to be a part of it. And so Bending Branch approached me in 2015 about joining their team and I jumped at the chance. Yeah. And so that means going around uh, doing tastings and, and spreading the word, right? Um, and so, so you're on your way to, to an event, uh, today, right? Absolutely. Uh, in from Houston, from here, I go to Houston, um, with our Texas fine wine group with, uh, five other wineries. It's a group of five of us all together. Um, and we're doing it all day at the Texas Wine School tomorrow in Houston. We're meeting with the Houston Sommelier Association in the morning. We have a media at uh, midday, and then we're doing a class tomorrow evening. Yeah. Do you see that Texas wines are being more uh, more received and, and um, more accepted with all different segments of the industry, the sommelier world? Um, you're, you're also going to uh, a tasting outside of Texas in, in New York City. Um, what, what has that evolution really been like? Well, um, it, absolutely. I think there's a, a huge um, movement right now. The, the sommeliers in Texas are very excited about Texas wines. And um, certainly, we've come a long way in a very short period of time in terms of growing great varieties here. Um, you know, if you tasted Texas wine in the 90s, I, I say it's time to taste them again because uh, we're growing grapes that are suited to our climate now. And that has been a turning point. And so you are seeing this excitement um, in restaurants and with the sommeliers and then also with the people who come and visit our wine. We get uh, people from all over the world come into our tasting room at Bending Branch and Comfort. Yeah. And you also have, so, so you get that kind of captive audience and then, you know, you get to travel and uh, go on, you know, other people's turfs and, and to, to tell that story. Um, tell us about the the New York tasting that's happening. Is, is that a, um, people are interested outside of Texas, right? Absolutely. This is very exciting. So on November 9th, there are 13 wineries. We're all going to uh, New York City, to Manhattan, uh, to Rouge Tomat, and it's an all-day affair. Uh, there's a seminar, there's a walk-around Tempranillo tasting. It is on International Tempranillo Day, so everybody drink Texas Tempranillo <laughs> on November 9th in solidarity with us in New York City. Um, but that started with their, there was a tasting a couple of months ago with Inwood Estates in New York City, and that went over really well. And so, um, there was a, an idea to organize a, a bigger event, and and it's um, 
with our Texas Fine Wine Group, we've been trying to get international or national media to Texas, and that's difficult to do. Everybody's very busy, and so we decided the best approach was to take Texas to New York, and so that's what we're doing. So it's a very interesting forum because New York is historically a very, uh, a very old world, very French and uh, you know dominated region, but um, but they're also excited about the new be- the next best thing, right? Oh yeah, everybody wants to. <laughs> know what's the next fix next best thing and do, that's texas do you um do you uh send wines out of state do you export uh to other states do you have distributors in other states or is that kind of the next step and that's, and i'd love to hear um we'll get more into the various facets of of the business too yeah i i manage our sales and distribution um and bending branch has been in distribution for about two years now and right now we're just within just throughout texas um right. we do ship direct to consumer we sh- are able to ship to to, um, I think we're in 15 or 20 states now, and that's growing. Right. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you have to apply state by state and jump through all kinds of hoops to, to make that happen. But um, our wine club, we, we definitely have wine club members all over the country that we ship to. Yeah, that, that's something that's uh, somewhat of a fallacy. Uh, for folks who might have seen the headlines uh, today about Amazon stopping their retail online retail uh, shipping business, um, retailers have a more limited amount of states that they can ship to than wineries do. Uh, and so sometimes you might hear that, you know, oh, we can't ship into Texas. Well, uh, retailers cannot technically ship into into Texas, but wineries can ship into Texas. And, and then there's that reciprocity where uh, where Texas wineries can ship out out of state to a broad number of, of states broader than what you see in the headlines with uh, with retailers so so you've got the tasting room in comfort and uh, and and there's another tasting room as well right correct we have two tasting rooms in comfort we've got uh, our tasting room at the estate which is about five miles outside of town uh, it sits on 56 acres it's a beautiful beautiful piece of property where you can come out and have a a glass of wine, enjoy tasting. Um, We also have another tasting room in downtown comfort called Branch on High. It's right there on High Street. Um, And so um, comfort has got a lot of antiques and shopping. And so you can just kind of it's got an interesting vibe, doesn't it? Yeah. But it, it, it's a there's this um, free thinking motto that that I saw when I was uh, looking at uh, some of the websites. Is that? Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? Comfort was founded in the 1800s um, by I think it was 1850s, 1852, somewhere in there by by the free thinkers who just you know they were free thinkers and <laughs> and comfort is still an unincorporated free thinking free spirited little town oh great well wine fits into free free thinking really well i think yes it, it does <laughs> so what's the and then um you've got a, a pretty extensive wine club that that you manage and uh or that you have a wine club manager right oh yes we have a wine club manager we couldn't do it without her right <laughs> and um and that kind of covers the the, the facets I, I think it's a big thing that um, that you do have distribution in the state of Texas, so the uh, you know you don't have to you know be lugging wine to to every account, and you know you're you're a little bit bigger than than that. A lot of wineries are small enough to be able to do that. What what is your overall production? It varies. It's a uh, twelve thousand, fifteen thousand, depending on the year um, that we produce for bending that we bottle for bending branch, um, and then of course we do some custom work for some other smaller smaller wineries. Right, and then w- what would you say what percentage percentage of that kind of goes out in the distribution world as opposed to uh, through the winery and the wine club? 
Um, I would say the majority majority of it is still on at our locations and uh, through our wine club. Um, if I had to estimate, probably twenty percent through distribution. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Well, great, and and we hope to see that grow. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so, if uh, again, the website here is bendingbranchwinery.com. Any any last thoughts uh, before we kind of wrap up this this segment? Um, I'm really excited about your Tanat and. Uh, uh, and and you know your Sagrantino that that sounds uh, I'm I'm very excited about that grape variety. Um, and any any final thoughts as where the industry is going and um, and we should mention that you ha- had a, a very successful 2017 harvest as well, like many wineries did, right? 2017 is probably going to be come known as the best record, the best harvest on record. We did not have any spring freezes. We, there was no late rains. Um, in the season, there were a couple of hail incidents, but, um, by and large, it was a very productive harvest and, um, quality is there and really, really exciting. Yeah. And that, that we should say that, um, a successful harvest is really good for the industry that, that we're going to see, uh, more quantities of higher quality wine, right? I think you're going to continue to see that. Yeah. Uh, it's full steam ahead, Texas, um, some some really great things happening in the industry right now. Great. Well, Jennifer McGinnis, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about Bending Branch. And uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll hope to uh, maybe get another update from you uh, down the road. Sure. Thank you for having me, Mark.